Hunchstruck is a moment in time. Ah, uh, yes. Of like days or weeks where you are just out of it. Way more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you can become pussy whipped after being cuntstruck. Uh, listeners, please see the, the show notes for definitions on <laughs> cunt thumping, cunt struck, and pussy whipped. Hello and welcome to It's Not TV. It's a podcast. I'm Nicole and along with me is David. Hello, hello. Welcome back to our very special format for season three of House of the Dragon. We are covering each episode on the pod as they air. Spoiler warning, please understand we are covering the current episode as well as any that have aired previously. Spoilers for Game of Thrones TV show, the Song of Ice and Fire books are all fair game. If you do not want to know who the worst rehearsal dinner guest was, consider yourself warned. That said, we will not be spoiling the ending to House of the Dragon. If you want to know, go read Fire and Blood or your favorite Reddit thread. All right, episode five, We Light the Way. This might be our least time jumpy one, David, maybe like months. Yeah, I think it actually even be like, it felt like it could have been days. Like it felt yeah. like it could have been like, like next week. Yeah. It didn't feel like much time passed at all for the first time. How long would it take to buy a boat to get to Driftmark? I don't think they had to buy a boat. They've, they've got boats available. I got to assume that he's got, he's got like a yacht club membership. He can at least like a rental. <laughs> what did you think about this episode? Did, did you like it? I did like it. I'm still on the scale where I think to myself, how much am I thinking about this episode after watching it? Mm. And, uh, I did. I thought about this one. I think the pacing is closer to my desired pacing. Yeah. Closer to the characters. We get little glimpses into their thoughts and motivations. Not enough, but more. What about you? What did you think of episode five? I thought it was my favorite so far. And Whoa. I think, yeah, because of what you said, I think the pacing was really strong. I, listen, I, I like dragons blowing shit up as much as the next person, but. <laughs> Maybe not the person being blown up. Yeah, that person would like it less, I imagine. <laughs> um, I think so. I I have just recently rewatched uh, Game of Thrones in its entirety. And so I think the I got like all the big action set pieces uh, out of my system, so to speak. So I'm, I think what I'm enjoying most about this show is when it's smaller. And I don't mean in terms of where they're visiting or where they go, because I think production design is amazing here. I think the storylines, I like the drama, I like the treachery, I like the whispering. I think I like that more than just the dragon shit, because I feel like the dragon shit is earned yeah. by the backstabbing, by the treachery, by the gossip stuff. And so this episode had a lot of it. So I was I was psyched. So let's get into what happened on episode five. We start off in the veil. With a murder. A murder in the veil. <laughs> So Damon shows up to visit his wife. He's wearing some silly little outfit because he's up to no good. I saw on Twitter that the set or whatever that they, the location they use for filming is the same one from Princess Bride. Oh. Where they're like laying in the grass and rolling down the hills. It's gorgeous. As you wish. You can cut that if you want to. <laughs> we get to meet his wife, Lady Rhea. Rhea Royce. She's super cool. 
which we're expecting this cold, bitchy lady, but she was in badass armor. She's solo hunting. She's quippy. She's witty. The things that she's saying make me feel like she has a right to be cold to Damon, but she's not even cold. She kind of just razzing him. Anyway, she runs into Damon. He's in his little cloak and immediately knows like he is up to something. So she she asks, have you come to consummate our marriage? <laughs> and then Damon awkwardly makes her horse toss her to the ground, crushes her, tests to see if she's broken her back. Yep. She's not dead. He starts to walk away. And she said, I knew you couldn't finish. <sighs> so Damon fetches a rock and they cut to a fish being having its head cut off. So off screen smashes her skull in. Potentially. (laughs) What I think is interesting is, so you're Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. You've been Doctor Who. Uh, You were in a Terminator movie. The worst one, but you were in a Terminator movie. Uh, You, what was his show he just did? Uh, He was in The Crown. He was in The Crown. Yes. So then he gets offered Game of Thrones. So he picks up Fire and Blood and he sees this awesome character, Daemon Targaryen, who's flying around on dragons and has battles and everything else. And so, you know, he knows it's not a novel. It's written kind of like a history book. Yeah. So he doesn't know everything about Damon, but he knows he's a fucking badass. And then he gets the scripts and he's impotent. <laughs> and he's like, fuck, man. In like five episodes. No fuck, man. There's like four scenes. Yeah. Of his dick not working. It's got to be a bum rap. Maybe he's overcompensating. You think that they were like, yo, Matt Smith's got such a potent dick. We need to slow this down. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to knock his character down a peg. So we never see Damon finish anything. We never saw his air for a day speech. We never see him kill crab feeder or he doesn't finish sexing Rhaenyra or white worm or Rhea or smashing Rhea's head in. Do you think that's by design? Do you think that it makes Damon more likable because we don't get to see his, his baddities maybe creates a little doubt. Like maybe he's not doing the stuff. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because if Damon does all the awful things we think he does, plus all the things we do see him do, mm-hmm. it, it effectively paints him as like a terrible human being, even in by Westerosi standards. I think for all of our characters so far, and, and the producers and creators, I talked about this a little bit before the show came out, which was that they're everyone's gray. Maybe this is their way of preserving that grayness for Damon because he really doesn't have anything likable about him. <laughs> Um, other than being fucking cool. But yeah, he doesn't like do anything nice. So maybe, yeah, maybe this is why they're sort of preserving that doubt for him. Yeah, if this is by design, it's definitely working. Let me ask this. When we when we talk about it, about what Damon's doing and what he's done, why don't we see him as like a Ramsey-like character, uh, a Ramsey Bolton-like character? Because is it that Matt Smith's cool and charming to your point nicole we we didn't see him finish these things these awful things but we've seen the character of damon try to corrupt his niece and then leave her wanting so like he manages to fuck that up both ways but not fuck her um we've seen him use his mistress we've seen him now kill his wife we've seen him butcher citizens of king's landing to prove a point about his power and Damon's even got the Hague coming after him because he committed a fucking war crime. He was waving the white flag and as dudes approached him to accept his surrender, he fucking stabbed him. It just seems like it's one thing after the other that he does that makes him like 
the biggest villain in the history of Westeros, but I don't think any of us are seeing it that way. No, I mean, I don't come from camp. Matt Smith can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy his his performance. I find his character has funny moments. He can be sexy, even though he's not necessarily my type. He does a great job with Damon to me, but I'm not all forgiving. I do think because we don't see him doing the things we disassociate. Think about maybe like Game of Thrones Tywin. He's the chess mm. master, but he's nice to Arya when she's the cupbearer. He's yeah. you see him protecting his family, guiding Cersei, but he and but he does and orchestrate so many bad things. He is an absolute villain, but it's really hard for me to just write him off as a complete villain. On the other end of that spectrum, you have someone who does vile and disgusting things like Ramsay Bolton, and it's very easy to hate him, even to a lower degree. Think Alistair Thorne. Mm. When John goes up to the wall, he makes the new recruits beat each other up. He abuses Sam. He talks down to John. I hated him. <laughs> and he wasn't inherently good. Yeah. But Damon has done so much worse than Alistair Thorne, but I'm not inclined to say he's bad or even put him in the list of the worst villains in Westeros history. One of the things our producer mentioned to us was that it might just be better writing that when you think back to Ramsey Bolton, he was too broad a villain, right? He was basically twirling his fucking mustache (laughs) while he cut off penises. Maybe the writing here is a little more nuanced. So maybe that's why, yeah, we're being a little more sympathetic to, to Damon. Yeah. Like I said, if this is by design for Damon, they're doing a great job. But I also think that we came into this series, like you said, with a bunch of gray characters. No one was going to be our Jon Snow. And while I appreciate that, I'm still getting used to the waters. Like I'm still feeling out, like not cheering for anyone. I'm not not enjoying it. It's just not what I'm used to. How do you feel about kind of this gray stuff? So it's nuanced writing, which I think is good. It can make the show a better written show and it can make it can elevate the material, I think. And it's probably great for the actors. There is a little something lost for me when I'm when I can't actively root for people. I tend to not root for the bad guy as much as I may root for an antihero or for the bad guy to turn good. I I had a lot of fun in Game of Thrones and you and I both wishing for Jamie's redemption arc. So Jamie. Yeah, I think what may rub me the wrong way in time, not yet, but having read the book, I think that there are areas where like I really like the clubfoot. I want to. I'm not I'm not going to send it yet, but I really want to like him, but I was a very big fan of Peter Baelish. Lara Strong, I think, will make a good again, following the book. Who knows? Uh, Lara Strong has has some strong Peter Baelish vibes in him, <laughs> some strong little finger in him. I strong little fingers, strong little fingers, less strong I, toes. <laughs> I think one of the problems with all the gray, though, is when I say something like, oh, I'm rooting for Clubfoot. And then come season three, Clubfoot does fucking aw- something awful. Yeah, that could change a minute later. And everyone's like, well, you like the Clubfoot. And I'm like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. but can I like him and still have him do evil shit? Yeah. So I, I guess in summary, I don't mind the gay gray. I think it's it's yeah. better for the writing. I don't mind the gay either. We don't mind the gay. We love the gay. 
unlike Kristen Cole, <laughs> we don't mind the gay. Oh, we're not shipping that. I don't think that was a hate crime. It certainly should be investigated as one. It was self-preservation. It would be investigated as one, though. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I think the, the gray the gray works for me, with the small exception of it does make it harder for me to ship characters and, and really back them up as much because I'm a hesitant. I'm like, oh, I know they're going to do something bad. So just like. Don't name your kids after any of these characters. Like, wait, wait for it to finish off. We've talked about this in the past. But how could Damon not like his wife? Because Rhea seems fucking awesome. So something interesting about Rhea Royce is her house used to be Kings in the Vale. You know, back when the kings were all over Westeros. Mm, yeah. Before yeah. <laughs> Aegon the Conqueror showed up. Um, but their bronze armor actually has ruins on it um, that's supposed to protect them from harm. But as we witnessed, they mm. do not, in fact, protect them from harm. No, well, they may protect them from harm, but not from horses. Rhea, when there's someone a few feet from you, we don't go for our bow. Oh. You're on a horse. They're on foot. Gallop away. It's like Rickon all over again. Zigzag, buddy. Zigzag. Nicole, if we take any 10 deaths in Westeros, how many of those do you think are just like fucking stupid? Like, it's like, oh, if you had half a fucking brain, you would have lived. <laughs> I mean, there's another one in this episode. The Night of Kisses. Yeah. Yeah. Just shut up. Just shut up, Night of Kisses. Night of Kisses? He's the Night of Kisses. Is he the Night of Kisses? Like, because that's an interesting theme. My question is, how do you become the Night of Kisses? You've got to be pretty good. Off to Driftmark we go. So, <laughs> okay. Viserys and his royal family. Except for Alicent and the kids. Got to take care of those kids. Yeah. Family vacations are rough. Leave the kids home. After the hike that King Viserys has to go through, I don't blame him for not wanting to schlep three toddlers. I know what that's like. So the weird thing about this is if you look at the map, it's just like a hop, skip and a jump out into the ocean. Like it's not far. And they're heading out to, to Driftmark to meet the Valerians. And they want to set... Couldn't he and Rhaenyra just like hop on the back of Cyrax and... Just land right on top of the freaking castle. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't fly dragons anymore. Well, he's he's not a dragon rider anymore. Strap him on. <laughs> so King Viserys and and the royal family, they travel over to Driftmark. They're going to meet up at the Valerians and try to do this marriage proposal thing because they want to marry Rhaenyra to Laenor Valerian and bring these houses back together. But the king is a little bitch and is throwing up all over the ship, over the side. <laughs> I do it too, King V. Lionel Strong, uh, hand of the king of the year, holding Viserys' hair as he throws up over the side of the boat like a sorority girl protecting his own. What a good guy. Listen, we can talk about gray characters as much as we want. Lionel Strong, he's just out here slinging advice, helping people get over their tummy aches. He's a good dude. Giving good advice, that's for sure. So they show up at Driftmark. Which is gorgeous, by the way. Stunning. It's like this old pirate-looking castle island thing. It looks like they erected Neptune's castle from the depths of the ocean. Yes. Yes. It's got like this cool, like, yeah, water Atlantis vibe to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know but, if Neptune is the king of Atlantis, but whoever he kings, that's his castle. Sure. Yeah, he can be. <laughs> when they arrive, though, there is nobody fucking there. To greet them. People are there. Well, people are there. Yeah, just no one's out to hang out and meet them, which is kind of like a faux pas when the king shows up. Ding dong. And the king and Lionel Strong make their way in. They meet up with uh, Corliss Valerian. Short walk through a hallway of winnings. 
Yeah. So they they walk through all of the stuff that they have uh, that he's captured from his voyages. So one of the big things about Corliss is that he had nine famous voyages and they've actually talked about making a, a spinoff show uh, about his voyages. Mm. So that's one of the shows that that might be made. But they meet up with him and they meet up with uh, Viserys cousin, uh, Rhaenys, uh, the queen who wasn't. And, you know, uh, King Viserys makes his pitch. He says, I'm going to marry my daughter to your son. But Corliss has some conditions that he lays down. Do you think Rhaenys was being genuinely excited or is that passive aggressive? I thought she was genuinely. I think she likes Viserys. Mm. You don't? No, no, I don't think so. Do you think it was just in this moment she's being passive aggressive or you think like the whole show she's been passive aggressive to him? I mean, we have differing opinions on what shakes out between she and her husband in a little bit. But I I generally think that she is positioning themselves. I think they can be doing that. And also she's not being she's happy to see her cousin who's falling the fuck apart. (laughs) So she knows he ain't going to be around forever. She's going to be nice to this fucker. So, yeah, I I think that I think she's being genuine, although I could see why you or Viserys himself would not think that. But I think the interesting thing about Viserys is his brother's a total fuck up and his brother's an asshole. And when Damon showed up after being kicked out for the first time. Viserys walks up to him and starts telling stories about when they were kids and laughing and joking with him. The second time that Damon shows up, which we'll talk about later, he makes a seat at the table for him. Yeah. So I think that Viserys has a familiar connection with his brother and with his cousin, because when he sees her here, I think he's genuinely excited to see her and she's genuinely excited to see him. I think Viserys trusts family, like close family. And I think he trusts Damon to be as fucking crazy as Damon is. And I think he trusts Rainey's too, whether or not he should. Or he trusts them to be who he knows they are. Yes. Maybe not necessarily that he trusts that they're going to do right by him. Right. Fair. He knows them. So yeah, he knows their moves, if nothing else. Yeah. Yes. So while all the adults shake out an agreement, Rainier and Lenor take a stroll along the coastline. One of the edges that growing up together gives them is knowing each other's preferences. They agree to an open marriage so that they can eat goose and suck duck in peace. (laughs) Lenore's knighted lover is pleased, but Sir Kristen is less inclined. He's guilt stricken. Thrown him with a head on the floor. Sorry. (laughs) He is guilt stricken about sullying his white cloak and maps out a plan to run off to Essos to a place they'd be free from tradition and duty, and could marry. The record scratches when Rhaenyra takes a page out of King Viserys' book, sounding for the first time queenly, and suggests that things don't have to change between she and her knight. So Corlys Valerian has a plan. He stiffs the king on his arrival, sits on the driftwood throne when the king arrives, asks about succession, asks for the royal children to be named Valerion when they're born, He mentions that he may have overplayed his hand to his wife, but frankly, he got everything he wanted. How do you think Corliss handled this exchange from start to finish, starting with making the king come to them? Yeah, I think that's some bullshit. (laughs) I think somebody should remind King Viserys his first name, which is King. I get why he's doing it, but he loses this power play. His goal is, right, I need the Valerion's back. And ultimately, that's what he gets. Yeah. 
We talked about during the first episode, I think, where Corliss said that the realm thinks that the king is weak. Knows. And what we talked about was he was thinking the king was weak. Well, this is certainly going to help embed that thought that Corliss seems like he's the power broker. And basically, King Viserys went from letting Otto run everything to now Corliss is the big dog on campus. So he got what he wanted, but I could see it coming back to bite him a little bit. I could see yeah. Viserys holding a grudge if he figures it the fuck out. <laughs> and I agree with Rainey's. Rainey's said like, hey, you shouldn't have even made him come here. Like, let alone, you know, you overplayed your hand a little bit. So I think Rainey sees it. Although I do think Rainey's isn't maybe looking at it politically as much as she's looking at it from like, hey, that's my cousin. Like, that's not how you treat a Targaryen. Mm. I think she's got a little bit of that, like, pride for being a Targaryen. Yeah. Whereas Corliss, I think, is more political. Like, he's the one pushing for, like, he's still pissed she wasn't on the throne. Whereas she's a little more like, hey, my cousin's on. It's okay. I found it interesting that there wasn't, like, a raven sent ahead of them that, you know, let them know, like, this is the question that you will be asked when I arrive. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, we have four seconds to decide if this is the right thing. I mean, they must know because Rhaenyra and Lenor like walk off. But again, these are those nuances that we miss. Yeah. And the surprise, I, the, I read this situation differently. I read Corliss was a little surprised about the proposal. Mm. I think he used the opportunity to assert his own power in his own house, knowing that King Viserys wanted something from him. And he didn't really know what to expect because the king might have been pissed at him for all the stuff that's been going on. We don't know. We have to just assume yeah. what's transpired between them if, if they've had any parchment exchanges. I was super bummed, though. We didn't get anything about that set in the afters. The set was spectacular. Oh, my um, God. But we did find a thread on Twitter, and we'll put it in the show notes, um, that explains all the pieces from his uh, adventures. Yeah, fucking badass. I I mentioned the Corliss Valerian uh, nine voyages things. When I first read about that, I was like, eh, we already get him in this show. Like, I want to see other parts of Westeros, but... I want to see this guy go to other parts of Westeros. So I think mm. he's selling me on like that spinoff, whether it's animated or a younger version of him or whatever the case may be. The bits and pieces we're getting of Corliss and his fucking adventures is I'm in. But when we look at Corliss's son, Lenor, and his little walk with Rhaenyra that you mentioned. So they talk about the fact that Lenor is gay they don't talk about the fact that he's gay, but they talk about the fact that he's gay. Dick is duck, right? Like dick is duck? You suck duck? You suck duck. I just, were, they, were, they, were they sucking duck back then in the Middle Ages? I feel like he said he prefers goose. I don't know. I'm confused. But I feel like dick is duck. What if you're a vegetarian? None of these things fit. I don't think they have the plant life to sustain on <laughs> no meat diets in Westeros. Although that charcuterie last episode was fantastic. It was good charcuterie. Two episodes Yeah, I ago. would say. My question is, I think we've talked about this a little bit where it seems like they're saying, well, if you're rich or if you're famous, you can make your way around this. So yeah, fair. it's this. Well, if you're poor, you're going to get fucked regardless, right? Like whoever you love, whatever you want to do, if you're poor, you're fucked. But if you're rich, we're a little less judgy about what you do person like behind closed doors. Uh, so. Like, even last week, it wasn't the fact that Rhaenyra went to a whorehouse. 
it wasn't even the fact that Rhaenyra lost her virginity. It was that people knew she went to a whorehouse and knew she lost her virginity. Mostly the latter. Yeah. So I think there's this element here of Westeros is trying to say your cultural norms that are modern norms are are okay. Like it's it's okay to lust after people. It's okay to have mm-hmm. premarital sex. It's okay to be gay. It's okay to 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 be all of these things, as long as you're not violating the duties of the throne or the the culture the the cultural norms expected of a king or queen. I think it's a fair approach to how they can kind of skate that line. Uh, to your point, like no one really cares that Lena is gay. They just know he has to get married to a woman. So it's it's not a big deal about who he is. It's just about what he has to do, which I think is a fair way to split the difference. At least she's a comely woman. She is quite comely. Are you into Millie Alcock? I think Millie's very cute, but Millie was also like fucking 12 in the first episode. She, so yeah, I can't get over I, that. I agree. She looks very young. Yeah. So it's hard to see past that. It seems like she's got a lot of fans on Reddit. A lot of people love her. I think she's an incredible actress. I think she's done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think she's certainly cute. Uh, but when you introduce a character on stage at a young age uh for me <laughs> it's it's just kind of ruins it for me i'm like okay i can't i still i struggle when i watch uh, just recently i watched the the final episodes of uh modern family and some of the daughters on that show grew up to be very attractive and it's very strange to see because it's like in the pilot episode they were like nine years old and now they're like women and it's just weird god bless them they're growing up they're <laughs> they can't stop growing up i get it but it's difficult for me to kind of associate them like with an attractiveness because I saw them as kids, you know? Yeah. So they hop on the ferry back to King's Landing. Christian Cole wakes up at the wee early hours of the morning to find Rhaenyra standing at the edge of the ship. He's feeling super guilty about breaking his vows. He tells Rhaenyra if they marry, it could restore his honor. Is he right? I mean, last week we said Rhaenyra was pretty coercive in sleeping with him. And even if he was into it, should she marry him? No, she should definitely (laughs) not marry him. (laughs) I do think there is this element of revisionist history that works, though. I think I understand that concept of I did something bad, but I later did something good that made that bad thing not so bad. You know, uh, for example, if she if she marries Christian Cole now, Christian Cole's was an indiscretion. That's part of a love mm. that now they can have kids and everything else. <laughs> and it's like, hey, that one night doesn't matter. I think fundamentally it doesn't change what happens. But the story it's if you had a one night stand with someone and then continue to date them, they're no longer a one night stand. You just happen to sleep yeah. together on your first night. So I, I think that's sort of the logic here. Yeah. I don't think they should marry because they had sex. I do see Christian Cole's side here. It seems familiar when you think. Think about like a man gets a woman pregnant and a one night stand. It's like, yes, well, at least marry her and try to make it work. But I don't know if his heart was in it. Everything that he's worked for to this point is on the line. Yeah. He came up. No one in his family has anything. And he's got this honorable position within the Kingsguard. And I get, you know, his way of preserving his honor and making it all worth it. I do wonder if Rhaenyra, like, would she dye her hair? And, I mean, is she going to relinquish her dragon as well? No. See, that's the tough part. I think if if she could hide with her dragon, now we're talking. But she said before what she went to ride and, and eat cake. Yeah. 
So if she's not keeping that dragon, it's a no go. He cites that in the beginning of this whole proposal. He cites like, I've been with you for years now. I've listened to you state your deepest, darkest desires. And it's always been for freedom from this, the confines of this structure, from the weight of your role as heir. Yeah. Here's an opportunity to make good on that. I don't think that she should do it because she had sex with Christian Cole. But if that is something that she desires, I wonder what's changed in this short period of time that all of a sudden she's accepting this duty. Ooh. What do you think has changed? Yeah, I think two things. I, I think it's a great question. I think first, she's closer now to the throne than she's ever been. So she sits on small council meetings now. She's even got the little ball, the little marble thing. So she's she's in the council meetings. She's got her dad backing her up now for several years in a row now that she's the rightful claim. She's going to get married so that she could secure her claim. That's what he's telling her. He fired Otto. He fired Otto. So she realizes she's part of the game now. And I think mm. she's closer than she's ever been to the throne. So it's more tangible. Do you think it's to the throne or to her, like to making her father proud? No, I think she, the boat sailed on that. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, okay. I just wanted to make that. I, yeah. I think specifically <laughs> the throne and she throws that up to Christian. Like it's, I gotta be on the throne. I think the second thing is, as fun as their sex night looked, she's never experienced that wild child life except for that like one evening. And there is an element, I think. We think. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, we think. We we don't know. Maybe she's been banging dudes around King's Landing because left and right. Because she said we can continue this. So it's like, so have you been having this? That's sex, a good point. She may have. I don't think Christian Cole cheated with her again. Planning on continuing the sex? I don't think he's done it again. I think it's yeah. a, that one night for him. But I think for her, it's kind of like Rumspringa. <laughs> she went out and she did the crazy things. And then she's like, okay, this wasn't as great as I thought it could be. It looked pretty great. So it's it's the people who, you know, they don't get, they don't have sex until their marriage night. And then they're like, oh, it's just sex. I should have done this like years ago. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> I think... She has this element of she went off and explored what a what a wild life looks like, what freedom looks like one time and decided as fun as riding Christian Cole is riding her dragon is more important. I mean, he did ask her to give it all up for him. Yeah. But like for him, like, hey, you know, I'd probably feel a little better about myself if, you know, we just like got married and, you know, I sold my vows for a good reason. Can you make me feel better about that? And like she definitely coerces him. So I think she's got responsibility just as a man would for getting a woman pregnant. But it's it's so trite. Yeah. I think one of the things we have to remember is is though Christian Cole with all he's a piece of shit um, overall. But he's a piece of shit because he banged one man's head head face in head face. Well, and he also slept with the princess, which is treason. And he knows that. And that's why he offers them to kill him. He knows this. So he he committed some some royal, royal fucking pains here. But in his defense for why he's acting like a like a schoolgirl who was broke up with. All right. He's poor. He doesn't have control. He doesn't have agency anymore. Well, he doesn't have agency. But think about where he comes from. He wasn't trained by maesters. His dad was a steward. So he's a poor kid. Right. Who learned to be a knight who we point out that his family's not important. So he, I believe he was a steward for the Nadarians who aren't even a big family at this time. So yeah, that was the old guy for, for our listeners who was pro professing 
his proposal. Yes. To Rhaenyra when she was like, did you think my grandmother was awesome? <laughs> yes. And he was like, yeah, I did. Youngster. Well, I, but so I think in, in defense of Kristen Cole, which is one of the few times I'll defend this man is he's like, oh yeah, I slept with some girls when I was younger. And, but he didn't say that. He said he had his adventures. Yes. So he had his adventures. For all we know, he was finger blasting girls all over Dorne. Oh. We, maybe this was the first time he had sex sex. Is that like pew pew blasting? Yeah. <laughs> maybe this is the first time he got to have goose. Do you think he's ever tried duck? I don't think he has. No, I, I think he's he's a goose only man. But in in his defense, he's not a well-learned or well-educated individual. He hasn't experienced a lot of Westeros, to our knowledge, or a lot of the world at mm. large. Mm-hmm. This may be the first woman, because he's mentioned common girls that he had adventures with. This may be the first like woman that he actually cares about. He spent several yeah. years befriending her. So him getting swept up, I think you can look at it from one respect of, oh, he got some ass and now he's losing it. And he's like, he's freaking out and he's overreacting. From the other's perspective, here's a woman who he has sworn his life to, who changed his life by accepting him to be her sworn sword. He literally owes everything to her. And then she sleeps with him. And he thinks, this is what my life is now is I I have to dedicate myself yeah. to this woman even more. It didn't feel heartfelt, though, yeah. But that's, you know, that's a lot of the nuance in, like, the relationships that we're missing. Like, we got a couple of conversations, but I don't... Same with um, Lenore and the Night of Kisses. I don't feel attached to these relationships so when they end or something bad happens, I feel surface things about it, but it doesn't no. kill me like watching Rob and his wife fall in love and everything he risked for that marriage. So those are the, these are the kind of nuances that I am used to. Is it because you haven't seen Kristen Cole's ass? Because Rob Stark's wife showed her ass in a lot of scenes. Oh, his chest does it for me. Okay. I... I will say this about the actor, too. In that scene on the boat, he crushes it. I think it's one of the finest scenes of any actor so far this season. His emotion, his eyes, like he's got the little quiver in him, the little shake, the little wetness. I think that the uh, the actor, Fabian Frankel, fucking crushed it in this scene on the boat where he's sort of pledging himself to her because yeah. it's a tough pitch. And I think if you overplay it too much, it really like you're like, this is way out of character. This doesn't make sense. If you undersell it, you may miss the meaning of it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's it's a fine line to dance. And I thought he, he did an amazing job. And, why, and we don't know exactly. Well, some people know where his storyline is headed. But for me, I don't think it's going to be so much of a judgment on what he does. It'll be more of a judgment of understanding why he's doing what he's doing. Mm, yeah. Oof. Yeah, so before they return back, Allison is bidding adieu to her father, who's headed back to Hightower, Old Town, because he's no longer hand. So they have a conversation in the rain, and Allison is really sad. Like, he's been her pillar, her guide, even if it's been poor guidance uh, from our perspective, she's relied upon him. Even if it's advice that she didn't take, she's had this kind of guidepost since her mother's death 
And now she was going to be on her own in kind of the shark's den. Lion's den? Shark's coral? I don't know. Lion's den. Dragon's den? It'd be dragon's den. Dragon's den. Okay. Otto takes this opportunity to blame her (laughs) for the situation and dishes out some advice. He says that Allison is always defended Rhaenyra and one day Rhaenyra is going to kill her children to secure her claim to the Iron Throne. He tells her to either prepare Aegon to rule or cleave to Rhaenyra and hope that she is merciful. I haven't done a good cleaving in a while. When's the last time you've cleaved? Probably at dinner time today when I was begging my kid to eat dinner. Please. Oh, you did some cleaving? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Just another bite. That's a good cleave. I think I cleave to my kittens. Like I cleave with my cats. I don't think I know what it means then. What does cleave mean? You would cleave. I think this would help. You would cleave a bosom. Oh, I've been cleaved. Oh, you've. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, my Someone kid. cleaved to your bosom. Nursing. Oh, I thought that was going to be a sexier story. That's not as good. I can't think of anything else that's been cleaved. Our producer's thinking about it. Is there anything besides a bosom that's been cleaved? Like chins? Is that a cleave? Or chins cleaved? That's a butt chin? So our producer has given us some examples of cleaving. And apparently they're not all bosom related. Uh, You can also cleave something like being close to it with a knife or like slicing it. For example. Okay, that makes sense. He saw Jillian's blow cleave the traveler apart the moment he materialized down the hall. Uh, So like sliced. In 1535, combating... Laurentius's Vala, I don't know what the fuck that is. He did not deny the spiritual incapacity of the will per se, but held that this is strengthened by the word of God to which it can cleave. So hang on to. So I thought it was like begging. Mm. Well, you could be begging while cleaving, but I think, yeah, cleaving is clutching. Like it's a clutch. (laughs) Delete, 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 delete. That's what Matt is singing right now. I'll get one of those cleavings in. So cleaving aside... Uh, we're back in the Godswood. By the way, do we keep showing in the Godswood because it's fucking like looks cool? Because I don't know why so many of these characters who should worship the new gods are hanging out with the old gods. I wonder if the reason why all of this stuff is happening in the Godswood is so that they're making sure that we know the Raven sees what's going on. Oh, like Blood Raven and Bran and all of that. Oof, that's interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if this show and i say the show meaning the storyline because we know there it may be anthologized i wouldn't be surprised if this particular run of house of the dragon ends with some sort of like epilogue that shows mm. bran in the future or something like that yeah so i i wouldn't be surprised if there's a tie in there white eyes yeah and he's like oh interesting and then just credits and you're like ugh, eating that jojen paste ew he did so back in the god's woods where Bran is watching, and we get Larry Strong, the clubfoot. He is brothers with Harwin, Tall, Dark, and Harwin. Hell yeah. And also Lionel Strong's uh, son, who's the Hand of the King. And he's setting that stage for, to your point, the little finger, Peter Baelish. So he reveals to Alicent that the Grand Maester gave Rhaenyra late night tea. Now he plays dumb, we think. They're like, oh, I heard she was sick because she got the tea from the Maester. He's implying he doesn't know that it was for, you know, that it was plan B. So he's implying that he was like genuinely concerned for her welfare. But like he knew what the tea was for. So that helps, though, tip off to Allison that Rhaenyra lied about what happened with her and Damon. 
because if a grandmaster was involved, there had to be something. So Allison calls in Kristen Cole, though, figuring Kristen Cole was watching the door. He probably knows what's going on. So Kristen Cole comes in and he's like, yeah, I fucking did it. It was me. I fucked her. It's like, what? So he just gives it all out. And then he asks Allison that instead of gilding him and sending him to the wall, uh, if she could just fucking kill him off right. And she doesn't give an answer because she's kind of like fucking dumbfounded that this was so easy. She like showed up to play the Game of Thrones and got like pass, go collect $200, go straight to Park Place in like her first fucking move. So she knows that Rhaenyra lied to her. She knows that Otto at least had some of the truth, if not all of the truth. So she knows her dad got fired for the wrong fucking reason. And now she knows she has enough now. You know, we, we've joked about power is power, but knowledge is power. And now she knows what Rhaenyra did. She knows what the head of the King's Guard, uh, one of the members of the King's Guard did. She knows that her father was right. She knows why he was fired. So now she's got one of the King's Guard in her pocket, maybe. Because mm -hmm. I certainly feel like in this scene, Kristen Cole now owes her. Well, he doesn't know what she's going to do with that information. He doesn't even know if he's destined for the wall at this point. I don't know about you. I'm a naturally anxious person. I would rather have the bad news right away. Yeah. Like sitting in it. And I think this is probably one of the reasons he he acts out later at the wedding. She's got power over him now. Yeah. He feels like other people are pulling the strings. And so I, I think that partly adds to the anxiety. If she had just told him right then, like, oh, no, you're going to like spy for me or I've got this in my pocket and one day I'll ask a favor of you. If if she had told him that, I think we can avoid maybe what he did at the event later on. But she lets him stew in it because she's I don't think she was ready for this. Yeah. Well, she's building her team, right? Do you think that's what this is? Yeah. By the end of this episode, she's accumulating people. She's got House Hightower, Clubfoot, Christian Cole. How formidable do we think her little squad will be? Does she have a good roster? Do you think? Yes. And I think for a couple of reasons. House Hightower is an ancient house. Uh, they're very rich. We've talked about Otto being very important. Hobart being very important. They're also tied to the Maesters because of the location in Old Town. So I think they're a formidable house. Mm -hmm. I think they're a well-respected house. They didn't show up in numbers, though. No, <laughs> no, no. I think they're... They didn't bring their best. No. <laughs> and, but I think in terms of, like, starting to accumulate the pieces in King's Landing, like, besides whatever the high towers could bring from a military standpoint or whatever, in King's Landing now, she has a Kingsguard member mm -hmm. who's on her side now, yep. who's good with a sword, one of the few people who's been in war, who at least can kill pigs. He was a formidable op opponent to uh, Mr. Damon Targaryen. This is true. This is true. He did kick the shit out of Damon. And in fairness, although the Knight of Kisses, I don't think had a chance to fight back because of the setting. And he, it seems like he got like sucker punched. Uh, the Knight of Kisses is a knight. So I assume he has some fighting prowess too. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm under underselling Kristen a little bit here. But Clubfoot now, is one of the few characters who's starting to show that he listens and knows shit. Mm. So without getting too far ahead of where he might end up in the books and, and how different the books may be, because things are already starting to play a little differently, especially in this episode here. Uh, I think that if you're starting to put together a team, you want to put together folks who have different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So having Kristen Cole, who's a knight, who's a fighter. Okay. We got someone who could physically do things. 
And now if she's looking at the club foot, Lara Strong, she's got someone who listens and could maybe trade gossip and get information. So she's starting to build the right pieces, I think. As part of this, it seems like she's starting to get good advice from her dad as part of this, too. Do you think her dad's advice is good when he tells her, like, hey, you got to have Aegon ready or you just got to, like, surrender and hope your kids are not killed? Do you think that's solid advice? I don't think his advice is bad based on what he is working towards. I think Viserys laid it out pretty plainly last episode when he said, I can't trust your judgment. And that's because Otto is working to benefit himself or his family, whatever. So going back to Otto in episode one, he set the table to end Allison's friendship with Rhaenyra the moment he sent her to King Viserys's Legoland. (laughs) And for him to pretend that he didn't orchestrate this situation and pass that off to Allison as a parting gift Mm. is irresponsible. He's her father. He owes her way more than that, but something as simple as I love you. I'll be there for you. But instead he says, you fucked yourself. Get yourself out of this shit. Do you think things have played out the way Otto wanted, or do you think he's being reactionary? So when he gives the speech to her, let's think back four or five years ago when he's like, hey, go fuck the king. This will work out for us, right? This will give us more power. Now, when he realizes, okay, Rhaenyra is still the heir. This has not worked out the way I wanted yet. Do you think there's a moment here and this is him going like, oh, shit, my grandkids may be murdered. Like, do you think he's starting to realize that maybe he wasn't as clever as he thought he was? Or do you think he's manipulating Allison? I think that a lot of our good natured people who are by the book learn in Westeros that like Eddard Stark, like Jon Snow, they're trying to do what they've been taught, even if it's not necessarily right to everyone. What is right? Mm -hmm. They're following the rules. And I think Otto and Allison are quickly learning that following the rules isn't going to get you anywhere in Westeros. Yeah. yeah. You have to be gray to make it in Westeros. You got to be a little bit bad and you got to be a little bit good when the perception of each matters. Oh, wedding time. Or the first seven days of partying leading up to the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So much happens. Jason Lannister is smarmy, well-dressed, but still can't find a brush. (laughs) The high towers are small in size and they look old and crusty. Damon shows up and effectively is unexiled again. (laughs) So Lord Royce, the cousin of Damon's late wife, straight up accuses his ass of murder at the dais. And the Valerians made a sick entrance looking very cool and very stylish. Queen Allison then shows up in the middle of Viserys's speech wearing a green dress. And as our friend Clubfoot indicates, the color of the Hightower beacon when they call their bannermen to war. Well, Westeros knows how to fucking dance. You know those high school movies where everyone knows the same dance? This is what happens at this Westeros party. <laughs> so Lenor and Rhaenyra do like this cool dance where they flap their wings at like birds at each other. There's no cacawing, but there should be. 
And then like everyone's like, yeah, we know that dance too. Line dancing originated in Westeros. This is the Westeros Boogaloo. Um, and it's fantastic. I don't know if you know this, David, but Westeros did not come before reality. I'm going to have to check our sources on that, Nicole. I'll have a producer look into it. I also wouldn't align people at Renegades line dancing with royal people. Would you have allowed that? You you had a wedding. Would you have allowed that, no, that bird flapping dancing not. at your wedding? No, there would be no electric sliding at my at my wedding. No, but a lot of people do like rehearse and like make up dances yeah. for their wedding so they don't look like an idiot. My husband and I picked the shortest song possible. We wanted to get in and out of there. I and the producer wouldn't know we weren't invited to your wedding and it still hurts. No one was. So Damon hits the dance floor. He flirts with uh, Liana Valerian. Uh, remember, that was the 12-year-old girl who almost got married to the king. She's a little bit more grown up now. Comely. A comely young lady. And so he dances with her. He does a little bit of flirting. And then he starts talking shit with Rhaenyra and like a weird threat flirt thing and grabs her by the throat, which is something that people do, I guess. It's like an uncle niece thing. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That, I've always done that to my nieces. I grab them by the throat and threaten them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just their whole relationship has gotten worse. Just worse. And you'll we're feel not better done. when the actor's older. Yeah. Or no? I think it would actually. Yeah. I think I will feel better. I think. Yeah. It'll it'll be a trick to my brain. I'll, I'll think that's fair. Because I guess she's twenty in these scenes. I'll I'll feel better when it's a different actress. And I'm like, oh, clearly. Then it's just creepy relative. It's not creepy uncle. Like once they get to a certain age, it's no longer like an uncle. Like when you're in your 40s, you don't have uncles. That's that's not a thing. I don't think that's how that's how it works. You you grow out of it. <laughs> I think they just die off. Joffrey, who is the Knight of Kisses, who is Lenor's side piece. As we mentioned earlier, the two of them talk about the arrangement that they're going to have. So he's he loves it and he's able to figure out by everyone's actions at the wedding party, not the wedding itself, that Kristen Cole must be the one who's fooling around with Princess Rhaenyra. And like any dumb fucking person in Westeros, he says, this top secret information, let me go reveal it. So he goes to Kristen Cole and is like, hey, I know you're fucking the princess. It's cool. I'm fucking Lenore Valerian, the heir to Driftmark. Us two have to stick together. Death to both of us. Yeah. Cheers, <laughs> buddy. Cheers. Yeah, they're both committing treason here. Light treason. I think it's, it's how it's classified. Light treason. Do we think that in the world of crime, treason falls below murder? That's a good question. <laughs> in the United States, I think treason is considered worse than murder. Like, Because I think treason is like automatic like death sentence. For everyone except for elected officials. Sick burn that is accurate. Yes. That will be cut for our friends in the South. <laughs> we'll have a different <laughs> podcast for them. Kristen Cole does not take kindly to this. <laughs> and there's a bit of a kerfuffle in the crowd. And then we see that Kristen is beating the shit out of Joffrey. And Joffrey's on the ground and Kristen Cole's beating the shit out of him. And he's got like his armor on and shit. So he's doing some work to the poor Knight of Kisses. And then Joffrey tries to pull a knife because he's getting murdered. And uh, it's kind of a, a really impressive scene because there's like a riot, right? Because like everyone's going crazy. No one's quite sure what's happening. Yeah. And 
So like during this, at one point, uh, the hand of the king, uh, Lionel Strong nods to Harwin and Harwin goes running in and grabs the princess like he has to deck a few people to get her. Fireman grabs her out of there. Yeah, I don't know about you, but it was night of the owl in my pants. And she's like, put me down. I'm like, what? Why? Why would you want to be put down? Yeah, that was bullshit. Like he's saving you. Can you imagine how much time it took her seamstresses to make that dress? And it's not like it's a hand me down. Someone else is going to wear it. It's just done. Beautiful dress. And then it had all like brain juice on it. Brain juice. Yeah. Yeah. So in this kerfuffle, Kristen breaks this man's face open and kills him. And it's it's a it's a rough scene. So after everything settles down, Rhaenyra and Lenor sort of do like a shotgun wedding. I assume the rest of the the days of tourneys and fun are over. You murder one night in the middle of of everybody in the middle of a party and it ruins the festivities. Uh, note to our friends attending colleges here, going to your first party. Don't murder a night in the middle of the party. You're going to ruin it for everyone. So they sort of have this uh, shotgun wedding. I think they rushed it, though, for a different reason. Oh, OK. I think they rushed it because of Damon. Oh, because KV was trying to eat his meal and he couldn't keep his eyes off of the asexualness happening between his brother and his daughter. I think he's like, he's going to make a move. Oh, and I need to get her married before he does. Yeah. When the ex-boyfriend shows up, like <laughs> the one who took her to a whorehouse. When the pervy uncle comes to comes to court yeah <laughs> and Rhaenyra you little shit why are you antagonizing Damon she's like in high Valerian she's like egging him on she's like why don't you cut through the guards in and take me you want me so bad she does this on the bridge too David yeah I don't like it she needs to settle the fuck down kill me go ahead you want me? Here I am. Kill me. Yeah. Well, we know his dick doesn't work, but I think his other sword does. She's got to be careful. We don't know what he wants. What do you want, Damon? Yeah. In the words of Noah, what do you want? Are you yelling at the bush right now? Or no, that's Moses. Moses yelled at a bush. Oh, no. I'm not. I'm not making biblical references. This is the notebook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this says a lot about our upbringings, I think. <laughs> One of the things I found interesting was when King Viserys is getting treated for his oh so terrible skin issues where parts are falling off. He's got the, like the worst dermatologist ever. Nicole, I'm going to ask you as a friend, if I'm doing a treatment and my fingers start falling off from that treatment, advise me to try a different treatment. Maybe a POTUS, for example. There's a gentleman there offering a POTUS. Maybe, like, we sanitize the throne or we throw a nice blanket over <laughs> it. He says to Lionel during this that he's in his maggot-induced hysteria here. He's talking about, like, being like a war king, like as if he was involved in war and that he sometimes wishes he had been tested. But... One, I kind of think he has been tested repeatedly in politics and like loses all the fucking time. Yeah, it's it's Otto was controlling him. Then Corliss is controlling him. So I think he has been tested, just not in the way he wants. Could you imagine if he had to make decisions in the throes of war? Oh, you think he'd be shit, right? I would think so. I think we, we didn't see any dream sequence stuff the, the last episode or two with him. I think if he had been in a moment where he had like a really good dream about killing people, he could be a good soldier. I think <laughs> if his dreams told him he's a good soldier, then he yeah, would become like, one. 
he's a directionless fuck. He doesn't, he's just wandering through this. I think if he had a clear path, a clear enemy, I think he maybe be okay. I don't I don't think he'd be great. I think he maybe be okay. He has peacetime with snickering and bickering and people playing this game of thrones <laughs> shit. And so you think to yourself that he had to adapt. And I don't think he did. So I think No. The king doesn't make the throne. He doesn't make the rain. The rain makes the king. Mm-hmm. And so I think he has been tested. He couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah, I think he'd suck. The more I talk about it, the more I think he'd suck. Yeah. Also, his body, Nicole, he's in bad shape. It's sexy. You're into it? No, but why are you asking <laughs> me about his body? <laughs> he's falling the fuck apart. Do you think like his days are numbered or is he going to like... all I want is a real diagnosis. I want to know what the modern diagnosis for KV is like, what is, does he have? And how do I make sure I never get that? I would guess leprosy if I had to. You would guess. See, see I've heard a couple of accounts that um, have said like gout or diabetes, which I feel like would mm. like align with his lifestyle of over drinking. I don't know. So Allison waltzes in. She's, a, she's lighted the beacon. <laughs> she's calling her high towers to arms. Has Allison started playing the Game of Thrones, David? We talked earlier about her starting to assemble her team. I I think this was her moment to the fact that she shows up late is a major slap in the face. The fact that she shows up during a speech is a major slap in the face. The fact that at least some people recognize her colors are different is a slap in the face. Whether Viserys v- recognizes all this shit, who the fuck knows? Do you think Harwin recognized it before his brother was like, hey, you know what that you know what color it is? I mean, he knew what the color was, but well, I yeah. don't know if Harwin was like, <laughs> Harwin's so dumb. Damn, she's wearing yeah, a green dress. You know what that means? He was probably just like, you're rude to walk in in the middle of your husband's speech. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Harwin has a basic understanding of the color wheel. I will give him that. Uh, but I don't think Harwin needs to be smart. He's fucking bringing it. I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm just saying I don't think that everyone. I think that it takes people like Laris to be like and and so so the seeds. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's an element of that that's better because I feel like if it's so shocking and so crazy, like if she came out with like the high tower emblem on, it would be too much. She still has like plausible deniability. She's like, I just like this dress. So, but if she came out like, like, remember when Cersei started wearing like black with metal fucking spikes and then she was like killing the religion, you would see Cersei and you're like, okay, they're the Lannisters or the Baratheons. There should be a fucking lion or there should be a stag on her. And instead she's wearing an all black dress with giant fucking metal spikes. Something's up with this bitch. I don't think Allison comes in like that. I think Allison comes in with plausible deniability that she's just. She looks good in green. She gets up from the table after King Viserys finishes and just leaves. King, King, the king looks to the right and was like, where the fuck is she going? <laughs> just, and but doesn't say anything. It does say a lot, though, that when you said that King Viserys finishes, I immediately felt bad for Damon, who never can. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to everyone sorry. who might experience erectile dysfunction. It's normal. Contact Hims. That's our new sponsor where you can get customized medicine to help you fight your own ED. Hims is private. It's delivered in a a it's delivered in a nondiscreet packaging. 
<laughs> the first thing we uh, suggest you start with is um, don't murder people. Try to be a good person. Eat a healthy diet. I think. <laughs> well balanced fruits and vegetables. I'm a big fan of karma. I think murdering people. I, I'm okay with karma being like, okay, fine. You murdered some people. Boom, your dick don't work. I think that's fair karma. So much like Marjorie Terrell's plan to have her brother fuck her gay husband. It seems like Rhaenyra and Laenor have a plan that goes terribly wrong. Their plan is that they'll do their duty and be married, but she will be banging Kristen Cole on the side, or at least she'd like to. This is dangerous. It's dangerous to have the king, the queen, the princess, the princes, whoever, cheating because it's going to cause gossip. It's going to cause problems. And Rhaenyra is going into this going like, hey, here's my plan. We're going to fuck this up right away. Do we think Rhaenyra is like sort of she's putting the cart before the horse and she's being a little, she's flying too close to the sun? No, I don't think so. I mean, in the constraints of this, the structure of life in Westeros, I think that she's doing exactly what she has to do to be happy in her life and for Lenore to be happy and for Joffrey to be happy, etc. And I think that just like Natalie Dormer's character Marjorie was doing for them, she was allowing them to be happy while they were fulfilling their duty. So I think that they were very irresponsible with their secret, but I don't think that I don't think that that's uh, a risk that you don't take. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not a I'm not a risk taker. I'm not. A, I think I I deal with the sham marriage if I were Rhaenyra. We had a lot of shenanigans happen here. This was an explosive event. Clearly, the Knight of Kisses was the loser because his skull got fucking smashed in in a brutal way. And also, I don't like the fact that we introduce a, a gay character and then like kill him off like fucking instantly. Um, it's a little bit of the the bury your gaze trend. Uh, well, hopefully, Lainer lasts a little longer. Uh, and that's, that's not an uncommon thing that happens in Game of Thrones. It kind of goes with the like, oh, women aren't in power. Women get sexually assaulted. And we also kill the gay people. Um, I, I, I think we can acknowledge that that's part of their trick without like really bashing on it, but it's not cool. I mean, if, if white men think about it, if they were gay, then they would never have to worry about the secession of a queen. They could just keep marrying yeah. men. There'd be no problems. <laughs> I'd love to see someone pitching that in a meeting. Listen, if we all fuck each other, none of these bitches get to be <laughs> in charge. <laughs> uh, so clearly, though, Joffrey's the loser. Were there any winners? Uh, who are the winners coming out of this event? Like, was, did anyone climb the ladder of chaos, make it a few rungs up? Yeah. The Valerians, uh, Corliss okay. and Rhaenys, I feel like they... Um, they're back at the table. They're, they got to do what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously Allison has a little bit of a winning. She's got a little entourage yeah. Harwin. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's started his winning. Um, did Kristen lose? Yes. He lost everything. He's complete. Like whether or not he justifies his next behaviors because he's trying to make right or, you know, restore his honor. He is completely in the control of yeah, Allison and at her yeah. mercy. Anything that she says for him to do, he has to do because the result of not doing it or having a mind of his own from here on out seemingly would be yeah. castration or death. Yeah, I think 
I think Kristen now is in the pocket of Allison. For sure. I think what what I found really interesting was this, how he and Rhaenyra look at like vows differently. And so Rhaenyra is kind of coming in saying, I'm going to get married. And my plan is to violate my vows pretty quickly. Like I've got a pinky promise with the future uh, king, my husband, my future husband, that we're going to violate our wedding vows on, on the reg. Kristen Cole, meantime, thinks that he's ruined his his uh, King's uh, Kingsguard vows where he was supposed to be celibate. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I should I should be murdered for this. Like, I've ruined my vows. I should be murdered. I should be gelded. I should be killed. Uh, and later on, after he gets a little more violent, he he tries to kill himself. But I, I, what I think is really interesting there is Rhaenyra is flippant towards vows, her own and his. So she's like, dude, it's no big deal. We could continue fucking. Also, I'm violating my vows. But when he talks about her being queen, she's like, all of these motherfuckers swore that I'm going to be queen. And it's like, I don't think you can say I'm ignoring all of my vows and the guy I'm fucking can ignore all of his vows. But God damn it, those Lannisters who promised that I'm going to be queen, they better not violate their vows. She's got like a big double standard here. Yeah, I agree. But I, I would mention that a lot of her role models and we'll just stick with one that's close, you know, mm-hmm. Damon constantly violates his vows and gets back in favor. Like she definitely comes from a privileged mm. life where she can do, she doesn't have a lot of consequence and Christian had to beat his way out of a really hard life to try to put himself in this position and um, a moment of weakness or coercion, depending on how you look at it, yeah, put him in a yeah. position where he feels sullied. So it sounds like this is a little bit of like she recognizes like, hey, I've had a hard knock life. And because I'm the queen, because I'm Targaryen, I get to bend the rules now. This is like this is the balance. This is what I get to do. She's even said this to Rhaenys. Well, I'm going right. to change the rules. That's right. Yeah. So she thinks she she thinks she's above the rules and she might be right. <laughs> I mean, she's she certainly has her own set of rules that she has to follow as a princess. But I think it was an interesting juxtaposition there between the two. And I think in in the books, it's it's very unclear on what happened between Kristen Cole and 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 Rhaenyra that drove them apart. Mushroom has his thoughts uh, that are very sexual based. But it's basically like, hey, one night. They were no longer buddies. And I think that what I find really interesting here is that it's not the sex that it seems through Kristen Cole off. It's it's not that he maybe felt used. It's not that she wanted to use him as a fuck buddy. I don't even think that it was the love thing. No, I think it's the vows. I think he feels like this is what I had. This is something I earned. His honor. Yeah, this is my honor. Yeah. And she ruined it and is being flippant about it. And his puppy little like oh well let's go away and get married isn't because he's head over heels in love no it's to your point he wants his honor back yep so when Kristen cole goes forward now working under allison my question is with his honor gone like how dangerous can he be a knight without honor right absolutely and i think that it's also interesting if you think about the privilege she has over Kristen cole she even has privilege over Alicent. Yeah. Not maybe as queen now, 
but all along, right? She's had all of these opportunities to choose her own lover, oh, yeah. to make her mistakes. Her father covers for her. Allison has continued to play by the rules. The rules in Westeros yes. too. You know how she says your family has these disgusting traditions of incest. Yeah. She is playing by the reality rules. And she continues to do that even as queen for a while until, of course, this episode when she decides or she she asserts her agency and she stops being at the king's beck and call and she stops trying to play nice with Rhaenyra. She realizes that the only way for her to get an edge is to stop playing by the rules. So when we look at all the winners and the losers from this wedding, I think that we walk away looking at just one murder which maybe in the history of Westeros weddings is kind of a dull affair. Uh, Nicole, let's talk about some of the worst weddings that Westeros has ever seen. The Red Wedding. Everybody knows all about it, but let's talk a little bit about Rob Stark's penis in the books or his heart in the show. Pisses off Walder Frey, who goes on to murder all the Starks in attendance. It's also important to note that Roose Bolton and Tywin Lannister I mean, just excellent wedding planners. Like if you're in the market, reach out to these guys. It's important here, Nicole, the note that I think the show did as it often did towards the later seasons. But even here, I think it did a disservice to the nuance of the book. In the book, Rob Stark is injured in one of his battles and uh, is like hallucinating and thinking he's going to die. And he's maybe on a little bit of that milk of the puppy. And he fools around with with a young lady who's helping him. And he feels so bad about that, that like he took her honor that he's like, I have to marry her in case she's preggers because that's the right thing to do. He didn't just want to send send her some plan BT. No, I don't think he had access to that. He wasn't as he wasn't as fancy. But in the show, it's like he just liked some foreign chick's ass. And so I think it's it's different. They had conversations. She stood up. to well, him. Yeah, but it was still I liked it. I really liked them. It was still a matter. I think in the 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 show, it was a matter of like, oh, look, it's a meet cute. They're falling in love. Yes. And that trumps the deal he made with Walter Frey in the book. It's he done fucked up and needs to save. We were just talking about Kristen Cole with his honor in the book. He done fucked up and stole her honor. Yeah. And said, I have to marry her to restore her honor and then got everyone murdered. So same result. But just I think the book was a little more nuanced. We know how impactful this moment was in the books and the show, but here are some fun things about the Red Wedding you may not know. George R.R. R. Martin wrote the entire Storm of Swords novel before writing the Red Wedding chapter. He said it was too painful to write, so he delayed it yeah. for a lo- as long as possible. He actually has said that he does this a lot when he knows he's going to kill a character. He'll skip that part. Kill your darlings. So he gets very attached to his his characters, just like we do. The books foreshadow the Red Wedding as early as book two, A Clash of Kings, when Daenerys enters the House of the Undying. One of the many visions she sees is a celebration full of dead bodies and a dead man on a throne. His head is severed and replaced with a wolf's head, wearing the Iron Crown of the North. George R.R. Martin has said, The event is inspired by two events from Scottish history, the Black Dinner of 1440 and the Massacre of Glencoe in 1692. So... (laughs) <laughs> be careful going to Scottish parties. Actually, friends of mine um, got married and at the rehearsal dinner, 
started playing the reigns of Castamere and had all the doors simultaneously shut and lock. Pretty cool. So spin that color wheel and we go over to the purple wedding. The other end. So this is little shit Joffrey and he's (laughs) betrothed to Sansa through the first couple of books and the seasons. And then once Marjorie Terrell becomes available, Marjorie's got the largest army uh, that is yet to fight. So the Tyrells helped them win the Battle of the Blackwater. So Joffrey marries Marjorie. And although it looks like Tyrion and Sansa may have done it, it's Olena Tyrell gets the little shit poisoned and he chokes to death and Cersei's holding him and he, he turns purple and he's like, Bleh. it was me. And yeah, Olena Tyrell gives the famous it was me later on when she reveals to Jamie that she's the one who did it. Obviously, Joffrey's death. Fucking awesome. Olena Tyrell, the boss. Yeah, it kind of fucks everything up, though, Nicole. The Tyrion is accused of the crime. He ends up getting sentenced to death. He uses Oberyn Martell, another fucking badass, to f- fight for him in a trial of combat. And Oberyn gets his face smashed in. So then Jamie has to free Tyrion. And then Tyrion takes a small detour to murder his father. And so then Tommen gets crowned, which means Cersei and Kevin Lannister run everything. And then, like, they blow up some churches and shit. So the wedding itself was fucking awesome. It's just one church, right? Just, just, well, but it's the main, it's like blowing up the Vatican. It's like the church. Mm. But it was like a new religion. The new gods. But, but they weren't, they weren't like that new. They're like yeah. hundreds of years old. It was like the golden tablets presented themselves in <laughs> magic underwear. <laughs> I mean, I would have not blown up that church if I thought they had magic underwear. But yeah, a lot of the the fucked up stuff that happens in the subsequent books, A Feast of Crows and A Dance with Dragons uh, is because of Joffrey's death. So although the little shit got taken out, I don't know that things worked out for Westeros any better. So Sansa gets married like eight times (laughs) in the show. In the books, she gets betrothed like eight times, but none of those weddings would have been good. As we know from the show, uh, a lot of dying, a lot of uh, dying and torture. And don't forget wedding night rape, which will be a recurring theme throughout some of these. If we're talking about consent and you're being betrothed to someone you're not in love with, isn't it kind of always Mm, wedding night rape? Yeah, I do think and something we discussed in our previous discussions about Game of Thrones, though, is that the show tended to take iffy consensual scenes from the book and make them very unconsensual scenes on the show. Yeah. And we talked about this in our Game of Thrones spoiler episode, the scene where Jamie pushes Bran out of the window in the books. He is pleasuring Cersei, but in the show, he's got her like yeah. doggy style. So they definitely pumped up the. I think that's, I think back then though they called it for the Lannisters lion style. No good. No good. Mm. <laughs> Marjorie, take two, uh, take three for Marjorie, uh, because we we can't forget about Renly. Uh, Renly Marjorie gets married to little Tommen, little cutie. And he doesn't understand the world or women or anything. And so that's that's a relatively nice wedding. She gives him a bunch of kittens. Thank you. But Cersei becomes a fucking psycho. And she thinks Marjorie's trying to steal Tommen from her, which true. And Marjorie makes all these great sly comments about like, oh, should I call you mother or should I call you queen mother? I forget what to call you, you old hag. Uh, it's great. Uh, but 
Cersei makes a team up with the High Septon to try and fuck over Marjorie, and then ends up getting fucked over herself. So she blows up the Sept. Uh, it's a whole thing. Now, in the books, Marjorie's still alive and still in jail. So we don't know quite how that's going to shake out. Um, but in the show, poor Marjorie and Tommen's wedding is ended when Marjorie gets blown up while defending her brother in the Sept. And Tommen throws himself out a window because if you have Marjorie Tyrell and you lose Marjorie Tyrell, death is the only option. Ask Renly, ask Joffrey, ask Tommen. Let's swing back to our first Game of Thrones wedding, Danny and Khal Drogo. The original terrible Game of Thrones wedding? Yes. Danny gets sold off to Khal Drogo and gets to witness and be part of <laughs> a Dothraki wedding, which has murder and sex no. and rape. Um, but she does get to meet Jorah Mormont. Um, and then she's maybe forced to have sex with Khal Drogo. She's 12 years old in the books. Um, and this is very sadly the first of many sexual assaults in the books and the series, as we've alluded to, outlined. And it's one of the things about the House of the Dragon series so far that I've enjoyed. In fact, uh, one of the showrunners mentions in an interview that while they don't utilize rape in this first season, and they are highlighting the many other ways that women are <laughs> subversive to men. So... Robert Baratheon and Cersei Lannister. But yeah, so the wedding, yeah, relatively chill, but the marriage is a fucking disaster. These two hate each yeah. other. They have, uh, she ends sure. up having incest babies. It throws the whole country into war. But for like 20 years, it's not that bad because they hide it. But ultimately, Robert Baratheon's kids have a fucking shitty run of running the kingdom after him. So, Nicole, the worst wedding, the worst wedding. Love. No, we don't know if it happened in the books, but in the show, it's clearly Rhaegar and Lyanna, right? So in the books, we don't know if the marriage happens, but it is part of show canon and will probably be revealed in the books. Rhaegar steals Lyanna or runs away with him, depending on who you ask, essentially, because he thinks she is his prophesied wife and that their children will be the prince who was promised. Not only does this marriage directly lead to Robert's Rebellion and the end of the reign of House Targaryen with maybe the help of the maesters poisoning the dragons. <laughs> Essentially, every single thing that has happened in the books and the shows are because of this, maybe, wedding. <laughs> Multiple civil wars, the end of House Har Targaryen, the decimation of House Stark, which has all weakened Westeros from the White Walker threat that Rhaegar was intent on stopping. Oopsies. But a cripple boy who isn't human is now on the throne. So everything's good. Westeros is saved. Well, he's not human. He's a bird. Yeah, he says he's no longer human. He's like, I'm no longer a man. I can't be a lord. I could be king. All right. So Green Wedding, it's definitely you can see that it's starting. Something's going to happen, right? We're, we're I think the trick here is this is it seems like. This was supposed to be a moment to unite yeah. two important houses and cement the Targaryens for the foreseeable future. He says something like, in a hundred years, a Targaryen will be on the throne, right? So this seems like that's what it's supposed to do. But mm -hmm. there's a book called Fire and Blood. We don't want to give away spoilers, but bad shit is coming, gang. And if you've read the book, you know that this is a significant milestone in, in sort of that run. All right. It's time for the lightning round. 
Our producers prepared some questions about the episode based on the hottest Twitter and Reddit threads so far this week. So Corla still wants Rhaenys to be queen and King Viserys wants Rhaenyra's firstborn to be ruler regardless of gender. Are King Viserys and Corlys Valerian the real deal feminists in Westeros? Ladies first on this one, Nicole. <laughs> God, I want equal <laughs> opportunity. It's your turn. Uh, yeah, I think for King Viserys and Corlys Valerian, I think we're being too generous. I think that King Viserys is sticking to his guns. He named uh, Rhaenyra the, the, the heir and he's sticking with it because he's stubborn. He's not sticking with it because it's the right move. He's not sticking with it because he truly believes this. He basically was like, I only have her. She should be in charge. And I'm like, well, what about this little boy you got? And he's like, fuck. I always meant for women to be in charge. Like, so I think he's trying to belatedly have it make sense. Much like, uh, much like Kristen Cole is trying to marry Rhaenyra to make it so that their fucking wasn't a violation of his vows. For Corliss, I think that man is so fucking in love with Rainey's that he wants her, not necessarily Rhaenyra. He wants her to be queen. And I think he, cause he also mentions like, oh no, it should have been you. So I think that he's so into her that he's like, damn the rules, just damn them. What about you? you are these guys proto-feminists? I think it's a feminism of convenience. Like you said, um, Corliss is married to a woman who was a contender for the throne. It behooves him to be in her favor, to support her. Uh, that doesn't mean he doesn't mean it. I just don't think that inherently he is looking out for the well-being and fairness for women in the realm. <laughs> and then in King Viserys's case, I don't necessarily think he's a feminist so much as he's just trying to like undo the damage he he's done. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, next question. Did Westeros create line dancing? Also, what is the name of the dance that Rhaenyra and Laenor did? Wrong answers only, please. Oh, um, yeah, no, I don't think that they created line dancing. I think this is a traditional dance of the royals, the courts. They do this in the princess diaries. They do this in all of the, the royal movies and films. Um, even A Knight's Tale, which... Mm. He's one of my favorites. I probably watched that 47 million times. I don't think we can use the Knight's Tale as an accurate representation of medieval dancing. Oh. So the name of the dance, um, I think it's something dragon related. So maybe like okay. the dragon flap. Okay. I'm going to go with the four-armed raven instead of the three-eyed raven because the, they look like they were flapping their arms to your point. And there's two of them. So I think it's the four-armed raven. And they're both dragon riders coming together. Yeah, coming together. It's it's I go with either one. All right. What's next? Do we think the Macers are trying to kill King Viserys or bigger than that? Um, destroy the Targaryens, make them a more um, approachable opponent. The Maesters have always had a hard on for the Targaryens. They don't like incest. They don't like dragons. So, yeah, I think are they slow play in some of their abilities we've seen even the modern game of thrones where it's like hey there are ways to to cure grayscale and they're like eh and then even samwell was like hey the army of the dead's coming and they're like eh 
I think the maesters are like, let's stick with the worms and the leeches and the maggots. I don't want to be trying none of this newfangled social medicine. So, yeah, maesters are trying to kill uh, King Viserys. What do you think? Well, I think the producer is sexually aroused by the Grand Maester conspiracy. He is, um, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I think I like the idea. I still am in camp. I don't like that there's like a god figure controlling all the pieces on the board, which isn't exactly the case here. Um, it did feed the theory when the Grand Maester poo-pooed the other Maester's um, tincture. When Samwell Tarly went to the Citadel in Old Town in the Game of Thrones timeline, he is reading all these books and he's like, why aren't we trying this? How about we try this? And in the case of Jorah Mormont, he's like, I'm just going to do what this book says. And it works. And it heals Jorah. Um, I think that it does feed that theory that they may know that there are some other methods here and they're just letting it ride. Just letting it ride. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Does Kristen Cole hate gay people? Was this a hate crime? Oof. I don't think so. I think. No, me neither. I think this was Kristen Cole had his honor stolen, was in a bad place. Reckless. And had some dude going like, yo, it's pretty cool that we get to fuck the princess in the the, secret. I think Kristen Cole would have like after beating the shit out of him and been like, not that there's anything wrong with that. Unfortunately, the the only gay character we know was murdered. Uh, I'm sorry. One of two gay characters that we know was murdered. The other gay character was the one who watched his lover be murdered. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, as I said, but I just think that. I still am stuck on if Kristen Cole was so worried about his honor, why was he so quick to admit that to the queen? I So, okay. So this being said, I, I've done this as a child where your mom comes home and she goes, David, I heard about what happened at school. And she's there to talk about the fact that you got to see. And you're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was bad at recess. I'm sorry. I failed this test. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not even the stuff I knew yeah. about mm-hmm. guilt. Especially like maybe Kristen Cole's Catholic. That would explain a lot. Okay. We've got some dragons. We've got some dragon riders getting married. My question is, do dragons fuck? And if so, are we going to get to see a dragon wedding on Southern charm this year? We got to see two dogs get married on Bravo and it was a glorious wedding. Do I get to see a dragon wedding? I don't think you see a dragon wedding. Um, I also don't think you'll see dragons mate, but if you think about eggs and how they're, fertilized and laid you would think that there would have to be something that happens right yeah so do you think think we're gonna see it do you think the female drops the egg and then the dude inseminates the egg or do you think the dude inseminates the woman and then she drops the egg i mean how do snakes procreate i think they're very snake-like uh they swirl around that staff and they become a medical symbol oh my god no what that's how our producer thinks it actually happens caduceus I think that's how they fuck. Yeah. I mean, if the tapestries are any indication, uh, there's a whole lot of sex happening between dragons and Targaryens. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but in the nursery, there was a very sexual tapestry. I saw that on Twitter. And I would point out that all of the the Targaryens think very highly of themselves in these tapestries because their dongs are quite long in those tapestry pictures. Are you going to buy one? I would hang up a a dragon fucking human orgy tapestry, I think, in my office. Would you not? 
No. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't purchase it. I wouldn't. I know what I'm getting you for your next birthday. I was going to say, and if I received it, I also would not. No, <laughs> come on. It. You could at least put it up for when we record this podcast. You could put it up behind you. It'll be your Zoom background. Why don't you just take a Photoshop picture of one and I'll make it my Zoom background? Okay. That's compromised. This is why we make a good team. We have one last question. This one's a deep dive. Stay with us, folks. So one of the things happening on Reddit this week is Lemongate. So Daenerys from Game of Thrones often talked, especially in the books, about her time in Bravos after she'd escaped Westeros. And she talks about remembering a house that had a lemon tree and a red door. Hmm. And she said that's where she was taken for safety. And that's where, like, she lived the best years of her life because it was before her and brother, her and her brother were sort of on the run. Um, but we're told in the book several times that lemon trees cannot grow in Bravos. So some fans think that Danny actually didn't go to Bravos when she was, was taken out of King's Landing when Robert captured the city. And instead, she stayed in Dorne, which does have lemon trees. Which means maybe Danny's not the Mad King's daughter. Maybe she's Rhaegar and Lyanna's daughter. Maybe she's Ned Stark and Ashara Dane's daughter. Ashara Dane is the sister of uh, Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning. The two-sworded guy, right? Yes, the double swords guy that I complained about who was still badass. And I'm okay with them having his double swords. But right. it's an interesting story. So Ned Stark, when he goes to the Tower of Joy, we don't quite know in the books what happens there. But it's very clear in the show that he fights Arthur Dane and some other gentlemen. And he kills Arthur Dane. Arthur Dane is called the Sword of the Morning. He's considered the greatest sword fighter possibly of all time. And he has a unique sword that's made from a meteorite. The sword is called Dawn. Uh, and interestingly enough, whoever uses the sword is called the sword of the morning. And it's not necessarily passed down from like father to son because you have to be a badass. Mm -hmm. So in the show, Ned Stark finds out that his sister had a baby who's Jon Snow. And so he takes Jon Snow back at some point to Winterfell. In the books, it's made very clear that he side quests over to Ashara Dane, who is Arthur Dane's sister. And gives back that sword. And he's like, sorry, I had to kill your brother. Here's his sword. And Ashara Dane throws herself from a tower and kills herself. <laughs> but there's lots of rumors that like, why would Ned go all the way there for her? Did she have his bastard baby? Was he taking the baby to her? So there's just a lot going on there. But the reason this is sort of coming out now, as we continue our deep dive here with Lemongate, is that in this episode of House of the Dragon... When Laris is talking to Allison, he points out to her that one of the trees is a Bravosi tree and it shouldn't grow in Westeros. So he's kind of, is he just winking at this? The show's done a lot of winking at book fans, but does this sort of open the door to, hey, there are some other theories out, out there about who Jon Snow is, who Daenerys is, who Ned Stark was really protecting. I think it's just a nice wink, wink, nudge, nudge to book fans. Do you think this is opening the door that Danny's story isn't quite what we think it is? I think that's interesting. Um, not against it. I think that I was fine with her story. Not necessarily the choices that the showrunners made, but I was fine with her story. I think that it measured up for me Yeah, that she would go nuts. Um, I don't like the idea that they're brother and sister, but that would be in line with Targaryen stuff, so... Whatever. <laughs> um, I'm open to this and none of this pisses me off. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a, at its worst. It's a wink, wink, 
glad you guys are enjoying the books. Yeah. At its at its best, it's it's them giving us more stuff. All right, Nicole. It's that time of the episode. We pick our air of the episode. Uh, it's kind of been Rhaenyra versus Aegon, Damon scratching at the edges, trying to be a dark horse. Uh, who do you have? After seeing scenes from the next, there's no way I'm into that psycho looking Aegon as the rightful heir. <laughs> the right person to rule. I mean, he definitely looks like he has servants feed him. <laughs> if I'm making judgment for each and every action they commit to decide if they're worthy of being on the throne, I'd have to go with Lionel Strong. <laughs> He's the only one I feel that it has a mind for running the show. However, sticking to the bloodline and the intended heir, Rhaenyra is the next in line. She was named heir. Every, everyone swore fealty to her. I just, I think that's what should happen. Who are you going with this week? I, hesitantly, Rhaenyra. <laughs> I agree. Everyone has sworn to her. The king has her back. She's officially the heir. But we finally got her to do something fucking princessy, which was marry an, uh, a political marriage. And we finally got her to step up. Now, last episode, we talked, okay, she's finally, she's making deals. She got auto fired. She agreed to get married for political purposes. She's starting to like earn the crown. And then she showed up this week and planned to break her vows before she even took him and got an innocent man murdered. So the first time she did her princessly duty, she done fucked it up and got the Knight of Kisses killed. So I'm with you, Rhaenyra, but I am on the fucking edge. You're like a lord in Westeros. I am. You I'm, say so yourself. I'm sliding up to Chad Lannister. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you hey, Chad, Chad what was this you were talking about, about making baby egg on the leg? Like, look, let's let's chat. Let's I'm just I'm I'm open. I'm just I'm open. I'm looking. I'm not touching. Things may change because next week, according to the previews, we get a giant time jump, maybe as much as a decade or so. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you what are you most looking forward to uh, in this time jump? I'm going to be honest, the whole switch of um, actors never really like plagued me, mm -hmm. um, but the Internet's going nuts about it. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of like differing opinions. So I'm kind of now intrigued and I want to see if I'm able to accept all these new cast members as these people that we've spent the last five episodes with. I also think. The internet is stupid. <laughs> and I do think there may be this element of, oh, you're getting rid of the young girls that are attractive and you're replacing them with older women who are still attractive. But I mean, this is the same internet that's bitching that a fictional mermaid has changed skin colors. So the internet is yeah. fucking stupid. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of the reaction to the cast changing here isn't about the quality of actresses and more about why are you taking away my 20 year old actresses and replacing them with 40 year old actresses? Um, People are stupid. Yeah. The thing I'm most looking forward to, I think the young ladies who played Alicent and Rhaenyra fucking crushed it. They should take a bow as, as it looks like they, they'll, they'll be done uh, coming into the next episode. Um, I'm excited to see the, the children of both marriages. Fat little baby Aegon, mm -hmm. to your point, has grown mm -hmm. up into weird teenage, you know, albino looking Aegon. So <laughs> it's uh, I'm curious to see these characters. I'm also the scented of the blood raven. Yeah. Yeah. I really like 
in media, I really like big time jumps uh, for for story purposes, because I think in Star Wars, for example, the originals, when we have a, a 10 year gap between like Phantom Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones, there's this there's story that takes place that then you get to learn when you come back. I don't like cliffhanger stories where mm-hmm. I've seen all the action and there's no extra because you're leaving nothing to the imagination. So yeah. I like a good time jump. It'll be weird to have it mid season, but I do think they've prepped us enough because we're getting time jumps every other episode or so. I do think it's a gamble, but I always like when there is a, a gap between two. And I feel like this season's looking like two seasons kind of is the way they're breaking it out. Uh, there's this first half and then the second half. And that's why with house of the dragon, I'm, I'm a willing participant I'm very interested to see how this all comes together, like I said earlier. Um, But right now, I feel like we're not even getting it. I'm not even getting the act one that I crave. Like, if you want to take me slow through who people are and what their motivations are, you have not done that. (laughs) I'm a sucker for the traditional story, for sure. So as we say goodbye to Alicent and Rhaenyra's uh, current actresses, Nicole, what was your favorite scene with either one of them through the first five episodes? Uh, the bridge scene was my favorite scene with Rhaenyra. Yeah, that was that may be the best scene, I think, for the show. I think that's a that's a pretty badass so scene. OK, yeah. And I would just to pick a different one. I'd pick Allison in this last episode walking in with the green dress. Oh, she said wow. very little, but I think it was pretty impactful. It was her moment. Yeah. I think of of becoming like this was the first moment she was a queen independent from the king. Like she wasn't queen consort for me. She was queen. Again, awesome scenes. Uh, Emily Carey, who played Allison and Millie Alcock, who played Rhaenyra. We think this is their swan song. Uh, maybe we'll we'll see them a little bit in the next episode. But it looks like we're going to have a significant time jump. Thank you, audience, for hanging out with us as we discuss this episode. We will be back for episode six of House of the Dragon titled The Princess and the Queen. Check out our Twitter feed at It's Not TV Pod for further details about our podcast and to connect with our community. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. A very special thank you to our producer, Matt Malone. It's Not TV is a production of Bruit Media. We wish you good fortune in the pods to come. Who? Kermit? Kermit! (laughs) We've lost her. Kermit! (laughs) Why is... is, That that helps me none. Miss Piggy. (laughs) Miss Piggy. (laughs) Do you think Marjorie Terrell is Miss Piggy? Let's Google it. What? <laughs> People Kermit. <laughs> oh, Kermit's new girlfriend Denise looks like. Okay, hold on. I'll drop it in the chat. Marjorie Terrell, the actress.
looks like people say she looks like a pig. One. I'm not I'm not kidding. One. Natalie Dormer does not look like a pig. Natalie Dormer is a 10 out of 10 on a scale of one to five. Um, But this new pig they're showing that is Kermit's girlfriend does look like Marjorie Terrell. (laughs) 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 Folks. Do yourself a favor if you're listening to this podcast and Google Denise the pig. <laughs> if this, if this makes, makes it. it. She is the pig version of Marjorie Terrell and she can get it. I'd have me some of that bacon. <laughs> I'll get it together. I promise. <laughs>